Hey there everyone, wherever you're listening to this from or watching this message from, I hope that life is treating you really great right now. We here at Liverpool One Church, we've started a brand new series called 2020 Vision. And I guess that over the duration of three to four weeks, we're asking three really specific questions because practically this can really pay dividends in our life if we can actually figure out the answers to these. Firstly, we wanna know how do you actually read the Bible? What does that actually look like? Secondly, how do we pray to God? Because I get it, we've all got our different and varied ideas about how we should pray, but what does Jesus say about that? I mean, is he not the one that we should go to to try and understand exactly how we're intentionally supposed to relate to the Father? And then thirdly and finally, we're asking the question, how to be a Christian? Meaning, what does it look like to be a Christian in your day in, day out life? Not only when you're in church, but when you're in the workplace too. So kick back and relax and enjoy this current series of talks. Hey, listen, um, our conclusive part of 2020 Vision today. I hope that everybody has enjoyed just getting in on the YouVersion Bible app as collectively we've been doing a reading plan together. And I'm just, I just believe with all of my heart, right? You know, it's, if we can build at the start of the year just some healthy habits, Man, how different and how much better and how much stronger can our faith life be at the end of the year? And it all starts really just by habit stacking. Um, and on that point, let me just say this. Next week, we've got a brand new series starting. It's not me, it's you. We, we talk relationships in this church because we believe with all of our heart that, that the Bible has some really interesting and fascinating things to say on the way in which we do relationships with one another. Now, if you're sat there thinking, man, is that like a marriage series or is that like a single guy series? Honestly, it is all of the above. So whether you're married, thinking about getting married, one day hoping to get married, currently looking for someone to marry, wherever you are on the spectrum of your relationships, or even if you know somebody who maybe would just be interested in that, then make sure they're in church next Sunday for the start of our new relationship series. But let's get straight to it. We're going to kick off our final and conclusive part of 2020 Vision because we've been talking about some of the fundamental things that we all struggle with sometimes in our Christian faith. We've been talking about the idea that often what's really difficult as we try and follow Christ is sometimes we misplace our focus. It's really easy to consider things that are important to us as being important to God when actually they're not. And also it's easy to think that what's important to God doesn't really matter to us. That's why at the start of 2020, we're kind of like going right back to basics and we're just trying to bring it home and say, listen, our Father in heaven, he absolutely wants a real and authentic relationship with you that makes you feel and know every single day that as you do life, you do it with your heavenly Father walking alongside you. But that just doesn't happen by default. It happens when you do intentional things like reading your Bible, which if we're honest, can be a little bit difficult, right? That's why in week one, we were like, let's just talk about how to read the Bible. Because if you're anything like me, and maybe you've ever like flicked through from cover to cover, maybe you've stumbled across Leviticus 19, and I'm going to just show you what this scripture says right here, because it says something about like, and ye shall be careful not to round the corner of your head. And it's like, it actually says that in the Bible, like, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm like, is that like for a particular type of person? But the reality is, is that, that reading the scriptures can sometimes just be a little bit difficult. So we've been going, well, let's talk about that, right? 
The idea of sometimes praying can be difficult. Like, how do we do it? Where do we do it? We've all got these ideas about how we connect with the Father in heaven, but the reality is, is that Jesus speaks about it really specifically and says, hey, if you want a vibrant and growing and flourishing sense of doing life with your heavenly Father alongside you, then do it this way. And sometimes we've got to reconfigure what we think is best and instead simply choose to follow what Jesus says. Because that's probably the tension for us all, isn't it? Actually following Jesus. It's easy to maybe just turn up at church every once in a while, sing a few songs. It's easy to kind of just try and be a part of something, but following Jesus isn't easy. I think that Jesus knew this because there are 17 times throughout the Gospels where Jesus says, come, follow me. And yet there are no occasions where Jesus ever says, come, worship me. And yet if we look at what we do and how we spend most of our time in our churches, we put all our emphasis in the worshiping Jesus basket and sometimes we miss out on what it actually looks like to follow him. Sometimes we miss out on actually doing what the scriptures teach and We've always said this from day one, and we'll say the same thing tonight at the six as we will do to you guys at the 11. We don't want to be that kind of church that follows Jesus in the same way that some of you and I follow people on Instagram or on Twitter. Like, we know who they are, and we kind of know what they're about, but heck, we're not going to do what they say. We don't want to be that type of a church. We want to be the type of church that goes, okay, Jesus, if I say that I'm going to follow you, it means that I'm going to do what you say. You know, when we first started this church, and um, it's kind of funny because it's absolutely true, we had no idea what we're doing, and to a certain extent, we kind of still don't know that now either. But, but when we first started, there was like 10, 12 of us in a living room, and we would just pray a number of years ago that maybe God would one day use us to just help reach out to hurting and lost people. We were kind of like, we, wanna, we feel like we could do something in Liverpool. We feel like this might be in us. One of the times we sat around in a circle and we felt like we should probably at some point start having a public meeting. So we hired this space. It was called the Contemporary Urban Center. In fact, here's a picture right here. This was the first ever venue that we used to wait outside of. And uh, isn't it funny how stuff changes? It's like, as the years have gone, what you will notice is that like, Courtney's grown some hair and I've lost some hair and I am not happy about that, okay? It's kind of like that was the first ever venue that we would meet outside of and we'd hire this venue, right? And every day we were supposed to have access from like nine o'clock, but the guy would always turn up drunk and he would always like sleep in and roll in at like quarter to 10 and our service would start at 10 o'clock and it was just like the most frustrating thing. But that was made possible because a bunch of people sat in a living room and said, hey, you know what we should do? We should probably try and get smart and figure this out. We should probably decide whether or not we could even pay rent. So there was like 10 or 12 of us that decided to go, well, this is what I'm willing to contribute every single month to make the start of Liverpool One Church happen. We all decided that we were going to go on a percentage-based giving plan. We said we were going to honor God with our finances. And that very first venue was made possible because there was 10 or 12 people that said, hey... I'm going to financially honor God with all that I have. What was funny is that we started to grow and we moved into this place. This venue was called 001 and maybe there's a couple of people in here that was in 001 and it was kind of like this dingy, dark, uni kind of theater thing and we thought, hey, now we're a real church, we should buy a transit van and have some gear. So we bought a few things and um, we used to kind of bump in and out of this venue. It was 
a lot of work for what it was. You know, it was a lot of work for like 35, 40 people in the room or whatever there was. But we kind of turned it into this. This was our kind of first band. There's good old Josh Scott. He's not leading today, but he was back then. And I think that we can actually see uh, Sarah Palmer on your left-hand side, just kind of giving us a bit of a token gesture on the worship band that day. And it's just been amazing to kind of see how Everything started so incredibly small, but has grown into what it's going to continue to grow into today. What's funny is that venue was made possible because there was just a small group of people that decided they were willing to actually follow Jesus. In other words, they were going to be willing to do what Jesus says and not just know what he says. And as a result of that, we then moved into this venue. It was the Liner Hotel. It looks like a boat and it smelled like a boat. And let me tell you, if there's one kind of season I look back on and just go, man, that was real fun. It was kind of that venue. It was like crazy and carnage ridden and we'd bump in vans and gear and there used to be these comic people, right, that would be in there every single Sunday before we would get to have a service. And we would get so frustrated because we were supposed to be allowed access at a certain time and they would always run over and they took forever to pack stuff down. So we would get our teams to like just grab their stuff and throw it in their vans. And I would always like try and lead the way on this, like, come on, we'll get them out. And one time I stepped into this van and like ditched all of these comments, uh, comics. And as I stepped out of the van, I jumped out because I was like trying to go, come on, we've got to go. We've got like service in a few moments. We've got to make this happen. And as I jumped out the van, I jumped upwards and I smashed the top of my head on the locking bolt of the van and knocked myself clean out. Like, I don't know if you know Emma Meany. She was previously Emma Jeffries back then. She was there on the side of this pavement, like just holding this bleeding wound from my head, feeding me jelly babies and Aid. Like, don't fate and you've got to preach in 20 minutes, you know, kind of like, you're not dying on us today, or at least not until we've got through service. You know, that was the kind of vibe. And I look back on all of that and, and it was kind of fun. And then I think about this very venue that we're in today. It was all made possible, not because anybody's a genius or anybody's really smart, it was just made possible because there was just a bunch of people that were willing to follow Jesus and do what he says and not just be aware of what he says or be aware of who he is. So a thing that I say all of that is because we're at a stage and a season in the life of Liverpool One Church right now where people are genuinely asking us the question like, like what can I do to help? Like, what can I do to help church? How can I be a part of church? You know, and the bottom line is for us, we don't really do membership. You don't have to sign no forms. We're kind of like really lax and informal like that. It's just not our style. I just think that if you want to be part of this, well, just come and be part of the family because we're about everyone and that's you too. And if you want to be part of this thing, then just come and be part of the family and maybe at times just do what the family does. Because there have been years now where there are people in our church that have consistently and faithfully just gone about following Jesus by doing what family members do. And that's where it really gets hard. Because I think that there are three things that when you're part of the family, this is what you do. There are three things that I look back on the life of Liverpool One Church and I go, I think that we are where we are now today because of these three things that just people have been willing to put into play in their life. Three things that when we were in a living room, people were willing to go, I'm willing to do that. Three things that when we first started meeting in the CUC, people that were added to us also said, I'm willing to be part of the family. I'm willing to do that. 
Three things that when we were in the liner, when we were in the capstone, when we were in different venues all over town, one time we went on tour and it like the radio got onto it and they were like, isn't this so great? Liverpool One Church are like really bringing faith into the 21st century. They're going on tour. The bottom line was we'd just been kicked out of every, every venue we had and we were just busking from like, hey, yo, will you give us a couple of hours on a Sunday? But, but that's it. But let me tell you, like all of that, it was made possible because of three things. Three things that I think that when you follow Jesus, you've got to have working in your life. Three things that when you say that I'm not just going to be a mere church attender, but I am going to follow Jesus. I know that he has saved me and rescued me, so now I want to give him something back. Three things that I think that we can all do, and when you do these things, you become part of the family. So let's get to it. Three things. The first thing that we do when you're part of the family and not just an attender. The first thing that we do when we're part of the family and we don't just frequent or sit on the peripherals or the edges of church life. Three things starts with number one. When you're part of the family, we give financially. Now listen, I know right now, some of you are like, you know what, I was liking this for the first sort of like eight minutes, but no, I am switching off right now. I don't care what he's going to say, I am not listening. If I'm dead honest, like I've been sat where you are, I totally get it too. But sometimes we've got to talk about things, and I feel the weight of this, because sometimes we've got to talk about things that I believe that Scripture teaches that aren't necessarily easy, but by me as a senior pastor not talking about those things, I'm depriving you of what God's best is for your life. So I can't do that. So what you choose to do with it, like, hey, there's no pressure. No one's going to armbar you from today's service. I give you my word of that. It's not our style. It's not how we do life. It's not how we do church but I do believe with all of my heart, even though it's one of the most controversial topics, even though it can be one of the most hotly disputed topics of conversation, we've got to talk about money at some point. But let me just tell you a few things before we do, just so you can hear my heart, because I know a lot of you are only going to hear my words. So let me try and give you my heart. I have not, and I will not, and Emma and I and my family have not and will not ever ask you to do something that I feel like I am not already leading the way on, ever, ever. Like if I'm gonna ask you to be financially involved, I give you my word, we have lived this out since the day we got married. And in fact, if you ever kind of question this and say, well, he's gonna say that because he's the pastor, right? Of course he's gonna say to the church that they should give. You can ask any one of my three boys. I tell them all to do two things with any amount of money or income or increase that comes into their life. And you could ask any one of them and they'll tell you what it is. I say, this is what you do with your money, boys. It doesn't matter whether you've got a small job, a big job, every amount of money that comes into your life, you do two things. Firstly, you honor God with your money. You choose a percentage, and I think 10% is a great place to start. You pick a percentage and you honor God first. Then I tell them after, for you personally, I think you should save 10%. Because if you give 10% and you save 10%, that is a financial plan for security for the rest of your life. But I say that to say, I'm never gonna ask you something that I'm not already teaching my own family to do. Because I believe in it incredibly. We will never have anybody in the life of church speak or stand on this platform that is not committed to honoring God with a percentage of their income. We will never have anybody speak or preach who is not committed to honoring God financially. 
I do not want any person leading worship ever if they are not willing to lead the way in and amongst their own life and their own family and their own team, unless they're first willing to say, no, no, I'm in this too. Like, I honor God financially. I don't want anybody leading and heading up our kids' work, youth work, impacting, whatever, if we're not willing to financially buy in and invest into this thing that we call a church. And I say that to say, we're never going to ask you to do something that we're not already doing ourselves. But let's just kind of jump into the scripture, and it's a well-known and often misquoted passage of scripture. But it's from Malachi 3, and it just talks about this whole idea of like honoring God with your finances. And I want to read this to you. It says this, bring the whole tithe, tithe, it's from a Hebrew word, it means ma'asa, it means one-tenth or first part. So typically when this was written, there would not have been money or currency, but it would have been done in terms of increase. If you received X amount of grain or wheat or X number of lambs or whatever, you would always offer up the first part, the first fruit and give it to God first. It's what we would do. So bring the tithe, the ma'asa tithe, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And by the way, isn't it interesting that unless people do that, there's no food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord. Only place in the Bible anywhere that God says, by the way, if you're uncertain on this, you can try me on it. The only place where God says, if you're not sure about this, test me on it and see what I'm going to do in your world. He then says... And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. In other words, God's saying this, the moment that you choose to honor me financially, just so you know, it's going to trigger something in heaven that means that I'm going to bless your life. Now, the last thing that we want to do is kind of go down the route of just prosperity gospel teaching, but it is an absolute principle that I live by. In fact, this is part of the blessing. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. The vines from your fields will not drop fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. But you know what we want in church? You know what a lot of people that say they follow Christ really want? They want all of that blessing, but without ever doing the bringing. And what God's saying here is, no, no, I'll bless your life. Like, I'll do incredible stuff, but just so you know, it's faith that I respond to, and faith is an action. And one of the ways that you can demonstrate that you trust me first before any other thing is when you go, I'm going to honor you financially with the increase that comes into my life. Now look, there's so much, and for the interest of time, we just can't like go through all of the arguments, but people say things like, well, tithing's an Old Testament thing, it's part of the Mosaic law, and it's like, well, no, it's not, because Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, and that was before the Mosaic law was even in place. Some people like to say, no, no, tithing is an Old Testament thing. Well, if that were the case, how come in Matthew 23, Jesus, when he's speaking to the Pharisees, he's talking about tithing, and he says, tithing you do, and rightly so. Even Jesus spoke into this issue. Sometimes we just like the idea of being able to argue like, no, I don't think it's percentage-based. New Testament says you can just give whatever you want, which it does in part, but the idea and the emphasis is not that you give a percentage. The idea is that you give everything. So if there's ever an argument, and people don't realize this when they're pitching it, when they kind of say, uh, yeah, I don't believe in tithing. Well, okay, if you don't believe in tithing, then you've got to know that whilst you're arguing to try and get the percentage down, like I'll do 
I'll do 3%, like, and that's typically the root of the argument. You've got to know this. If you're going to then base it in the scriptures from the New Testament, you'd go, well, okay then. If it's not 10, it's absolutely not less. It's definitely more. There's absolutely no way you can scripturally argue that it's less than that. So I'm just saying that to kind of go, like, it's too easy sometimes to, like, jump online and Google a thing, and you learn an answer, and you're like, yeah, but actually, let me just take a minute for a moment. What do the scriptures teach? And then whether you choose to follow that, well, that's down to you. And no one's going to armbar you for that. It's just like, this is down to you. We'll present to you what we believe and what we do. And then it's up to you as to whether or not you want to be part of it. Let me say this in closing about giving financially, and then we'll move on to the other two things. One of the frustrations that I think that we all can feel, but this is the kind of church that we're building, is that when we choose to give financially, you've got to know that you are front-loading someone else's faith. Because this is what we found, even just last weekend, I wasn't even here, but last weekend there were in excess of six people that chose to give their life to Jesus, right? Is that not what we want? Is that not what we're here for? Is that not the reason why we exist? But you've also got to know that at the point at which somebody chooses to follow Christ, they're not necessarily going to have a faith tank as big as yours within one day. So this is what it means to us. Sometimes it can take them 18 months or two years before they're even willing to consider trusting God in that area of your life. So what that means is that for those of us who are a little bit more mature and have followed Jesus a little bit longer, it means that we're going to front load someone else's faith. We're going to pay the price for them to have a seat. We're going to make sure that they're warm and their kids are taken care of and their young people are going to have a great time because that's what we believe Jesus would do himself. So that's what we do. And by the way, if you're sat there and you're thinking like, oh, like this was a bad day to come to church. Like this is, this is terrible. Like seriously, like dude, I brought someone from the office and this is just weird, right? Hey, listen, you know, if you're sat there right now and you're just thinking, nope, I'm not doing that. Like just no way. I'm just not doing it. You can't armbar me to give. Hey, can I just say this? Like, and even if you don't know me personally, from the bottom of my heart, like I just want you to know, right? If you don't want to give, Emma and I, and our staff and our team, we're not going to stop giving just because you don't want to. And we're still going to take care of making sure that you've got a seat to sit on in the warmth. And we're still going to make sure that your children are brought up with the ways of the Lord so that when they're older, they're not going to depart from it. We're still going to make sure there's an environment for your teenagers to come in and hang on a Friday. And your young adults in that 18 to 30 bracket where everything gets crazy for them, we're going to create a safe place for them to stay the course and stay the path and choose to follow Jesus. So we're still going to do it anyway. We're just saying we'd love you to do it with us and be part of the family. So when you're part of the family, we give. Now, the second thing that we've got to do when we're part of the family is we've got to go. Matthew 28, Jesus makes this statement. He says, and it's like the last thing that Jesus says, so it's like super important that we pay attention to the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. In other words, Jesus right here is saying this, like if you know and believe and have put your faith in following me, if you believe the gospel story, right, that God our Father in heaven has given his one and only son so that those that believe in him shall not die but have everlasting life. We're talking about heaven, right? Jesus was saying, so if you believe in that, 
it's now down to you to tell others about me. He was saying, look, if you believe that God is gracious and kind and considerate and loving towards you, then it's up to you. You are the light of the world. You are the one that represents me in your office and on the ward and in the hospital block. You are the one now. No one else is going to do it. You're the one that can just do such a simple thing like this. On Monday morning when you go into work and people say, and I've had this, I get it. I was in the police for 11 years. I totally understand how this works. You know, the Monday morning conversation happens and you go kind of like, so what did you do on the weekend? And like, you're mindful that like you did Braveheart on the Friday and your youth were out paintballing on the Saturday. And then you did church at the 11 and some of you might have even been back to serve at the 6. And someone says, so what did you do on the weekend? And you're like, yeah, nothing, nothing, (laughs) nothing. Nothing really. And it's like, no, look, can I just be honest with you? You know when you're willing to just engage in that conversation and say, well, you know what? I went to church and I had a great time and there were hundreds of people and it was just fantastic. And you know what? We go to this place, it's called blah, blah, blah. And you go ahead and my kids love it and my teenagers love it. And they're looking at you like, have you got three heads? Because the truth is, is that what they think about church is not what you experience. And I kind of go, so if God's being good to you, why not be willing to talk to, hit to other people about him? Why not be willing to just kind of share your faith? Put yourself out there a little. And yes, it can be a bit awkward. Sometimes it can be embarrassing. Sometimes you can feel like, man, I've got all these questions being thrown at me and I don't know how to answer them. But I'm like, I think that if Jesus gave his life for us on a cross, the least that we can do is be willing to go and talk about him and kind of go, yeah, I follow Jesus and uh, like, this is what I do. And Jesus was saying, you've got to be willing to just put yourself out a little. You've got to be willing to go the extra mile sometimes. You've got to be willing to not always get exactly what you want in order that other people can see that God's love for them is real. You know, if we're going to get really practical for a moment, here's a real simple way that we're going to be asking some of you to help us choose to go and outwork this element of your Christian faith over the next coming weeks and months because we're already kind of like just trying to figure things out and we're always trying to work out like what's gonna be best in the life of the church. And we really feel that numerically now we're kind of like we're at this tension point and we've got some real big decisions to make and we're kind of going, okay, look, we we don't know exactly if this will work, but I'll tell you exactly why we're gonna try it, but we're gonna be adding in a third service in the life of Liverpool One Church. We're gonna be putting it on an additional AM service. And I'm gonna have to ask some of you and say, hey, would you be willing to move the time that you're willing to come to church so that we can continue to make room for more people? Because let me tell you this, we've had people walk out of church and they simply say, it's just too busy, it's too crowded in there, there's too many people. Because like, the people that love the crowd are the people on the platform because we like crazy full rooms, right? But actually, if you're coming with three kids and you've got a queue to check them in and you've got a queue for coffee and the foyer's crazy, that's not always a fantastic experience. And the truth is, what annoys you annoys me. When you walk in the Odeon to watch a movie, you can't stand it when you can't find a seat. It's frustrating to you. So we are intentional about always making room for those that don't yet know Jesus. So in the future... Coming weeks and months, we're going to be saying, practically, you can help us do this if you're willing to move the time that you attend service, because we're going to be people that follow Jesus, not just be aware of what he says, and we're going to give, and we're going to be willing to go. The third and final thing that you've got to do when you're part of the family, because this is what this church has been built on, right, is you've got to be willing to serve. 
And let me tell you, man, I am humbled, deeply humbled by the hundreds of volunteers that make Liverpool One Church happen week in, week out. I mean, honestly, there are people that serve in our kids, in our youth, in YA. There's even an incredible bunch of people on Dream Team that turn up every single Saturday just to make sure that this building is cleaned and ready and prepped for service here on a Sunday. We've got people that volunteer their Friday night, their Saturday day. We've got people that volunteer into being willing to open up their home and say, I'm willing to host a life group. And we need more people like you. The truth is, all of our life groups right now are completely overflowing. The ideal number for a life group is between eight and 10 people. Most of our life groups have over 18 people signed in them. We need some of you to be willing to help. And the truth is this, I always kind of hear this statistic in church and it annoys me so much because people say, you know, like in church, what you find is there's always 20% of the people that are doing all of the work for the rest of the 80. I don't want to build a church like that. I want to build a church where it's completely flipped the other way around, where we go, hey, listen, we're all willing to do the dishes in the family. Drives me mad. Right now, we've not got a kitchen. Well, we're just in the process of getting a kitchen back in, and I am literally doing the dishes in the bath, which might be a bit weird for some of you. The next time you're around having a cup of tea, you're kind of like thinking, where did he wash this cup? And I'm like, yeah, it did happen. But I'm just letting you know, right? In my house, it's really, really annoying when, when, when the kids won't volunteer and say, hey, listen, I'll carry that up. I'll, I'll dry if you wash. But the moment that you just have a couple more people, a couple of the boys go, I'll help do that. It makes you kind of go, well, this is just brilliant. This is great. This just lightens the load. And this is exactly what we're asking of you. If you're not serving on a team, will you? Because I promise you, we'll try our very best to figure it out to make it work for you. Like if you're an introvert and you're like, no, I can't do the whole welcome thing, that's for extroverts, I promise you, we'll make an introverted role for you. If you're kind of like, no, no, my niche skill is this, I promise you, we're going to try and figure it out for you. But please don't just take my word for it, because I think that there are many reasons that we should all serve in a church, but don't take my word for it. I want you to watch the screens and take Tim's word for it. It was about 20 months ago that Jane and I first walked through the doors here at Liverpool One Church. Right away, we were blown away by the extra special welcome we received from both the guys and the girls in red t-shirts. They made us feel right at home, they were kind and welcoming, and they really did put us both at ease after just a few minutes. I was really impressed by the way that they really seemed to care. And we also noticed that there seemed to be volunteers in other teams who were all happy. In fact, I would say that these were the main reasons why we continued coming. We decided that we would make Liverpool One Church our home church. And that if we really wanted to settle in, make real lifelong friends and feel like a part of the family here, then instead of waiting for people to come and befriend us, we would intentionally go and get involved and befriend others. So we decided to join a team and serve. I wanted to help, I wanted to give something back, and although with work and shifts life can get busy, I wanted to make it a top priority. 
In so many of the services, we hear about how kind and gracious God is towards us. I wanted to be like that too, but towards other people. I'm not a stage or an upfront type of person. I'm not much of a worship leader, but I do love to be welcoming and engage with people who arrive at church for the first time. In fact, when I do that and give something back, I actually feel like I'm serving God, not just people. I'm convinced that God has been able to do so much here at Liverpool One Church because of the willingness of people to serve, because it really does make the difference. There's a lot of people in our city who don't yet know Jesus, and the fact that I get to play a small part in helping to make it easy for people to follow God is amazing. The one thing I would say to anyone that perhaps isn't volunteering on a team yet would be just jump right in and give it a go. Because it's when we serve, we actually become more like Jesus. And whatever you do, don't ever think that it doesn't count because it does. When you serve here at church, you really will be part of changing lives for Christ, one life at a time. I love that what he says there, because when you serve, you become more like Jesus. I think that's true, and I think that when Jesus came to our planet and put on flesh as God's one and only Son, and the scriptures say about him in Matthew 20, verse 28, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Right there is enough evidence for me and hopefully for you too to say, okay, if even Jesus came to serve, then I'm willing to be part of the family and serve too. Because when you serve, it really is when you are most like Jesus. It's not when you come to church and you say, well, I'm gonna worship him. You're not being like Jesus when you worship him. It's when you serve others. It's when you go out of your way. It's when you're willing to sacrifice that you become like Jesus. So our request as a church in this next season of all that God is gonna do in the life of this house is that as a church family, that we would together be willing to give, to go and to serve. And if you would be willing to serve, then our request of you today is if you're not yet signed up to volunteer in a team, would you fill out this Give, Go, Serve card? Would you just take a moment and say, you know what, yeah, I'm willing to serve here. Like, I'm willing to engage in the conversation and then we'll have someone reach out to you. I'm willing to, I'm willing to volunteer to lead a life group because we need more life group leaders right now. I'm willing to volunteer to maybe serve on Dream Team on a Saturday with kids, with youth, YA, because when you serve, you, most like Jesus. And in just a moment, when the buckets go round at the end of church today, you could just throw that give, go, serve card in. And this is just you making a statement saying, yeah, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to be part of this church and follow Jesus in the way that I do what he says and not simply be aware and observe his teachings. 
So you're saying, I want to be part of the family. Church, listen, let me say this. I'm real sorry. Like if you've come to church today and you're like, what the, this was not what I was expecting today. I'm like, hey, thank you for your time because I appreciate. Sometimes you've just got to have some family business conversation, right? And especially if you're in church for the first time, you've been able to sit around the dining room table whilst the family talks some stuff out because we just need this right now in order for us to facilitate all that God is doing here. So I'm really grateful for you lending me your ears for a few moments. But right now I'm gonna invite us all to stand and we're gonna pray. You know, I really hope and pray that that message spoke to you and you were able to really get something out of that. If you come to Liverpool One Church, why don't you check out YouTube for more similar content or find us out across all of our social media platforms at Liverpool One Church. Or maybe even if you've only ever watched us online before or maybe even out of town and out of area, why not come and visit us in person? Because we would absolutely love to welcome you to be part of the family right here at Liverpool One Church. Have a great week.